You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Welcome to Psyched by MG. This is Mary Grace Randazzo-Ratliff, or MG for short. I've been a psychotherapist in private practice for 32 years now. Guess what, everyone? We all have issues. So it's time to lighten up and move forward. Let's stop letting our crap control us and take control of our crap. Hi, Matthew. Hello. Well, the, the first thing we have to do is we have to tell everyone that's listening to stop for a moment and please, please hit subscribe, um, hit like, leave us a comment. Um, we really need your support and we need your input. Um, and I've said many times, you know, we base our shows on um, viewer comments and feedback. Um, but we really do need your support. You can find us, of course, our home is Podcast Detroit, um, a wonderful place to do podcasts, and then Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Um, great, we're going live on Facebook. We do so every Friday. Our new time is four o'clock, um, mm-hmm. so earlier now, and, and we're actually um, trying a new format. So we're, we're gonna go a half hour per podcast. Um, and the issues that take a little bit longer, we're, we're, you know, we're going to do, um, you know, uh, podcast like tonight is about roles. So we'll do um, one, two and three, um, depending upon, you know, how deep we end up getting into it. Um, but you can find us on Facebook, Psyched by MG, um, YouTube, uh, like I said, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, um, Spotify, LinkedIn, all your major platforms were there and uh, we just really need your support. And now more new news. You can find Matthew Burita. Where so far, Matthew Burita? So, so far you can find me on my actual Facebook page, Matthew Burita. So that's um, Matthew with two T's and my last name, um, B-U-R-Y-T-A. And so you can, uh, jump onto my business page where you'll find promotions for the podcast that we do, obviously, and other fun articles, interesting articles relating to wellness, relating to emotional wellness, um, mental health, and obviously things of the like. So things that you and I talk about, mm-hmm. um, you know, Mary Grace and I will, you know, kind of come to sometimes just have interesting topics and discussions. Some of yeah. those things might pop up on there. So you can find me, Matthew Burita, and then to come, um, I'm working on creating, and then we'll be able to promote this um, on web page moving forward. So things are coming along. They are, they are. Um, and just a little tidbit, I know we're, we're going to try to condense things, um, but uh, my friend, like um, your partner, Matthew, 
texted me this week and said, oh, I was reading the Washington Post and there you guys were. And I got so excited. I thought, cool, I'm so happy. So yeah, if you see us anywhere and you want to send us a quick message, please do. We, we enjoy it. It makes us laugh. Um, it's kind mm-hmm. of the highlight. So please, again, hit like, you know, if you're listening to it, we need your support and uh, tell your friends all about us. Family roles. This one. Here we go. This one is a biggie. So we may do three shows on this. Um, And this show, I just, I want to, I want us to identify what it is. And then there are six major um, roles that people can play in their family. Um, And, you know, what roles do is they help you to help you to understand a family's behavior, a family member's behavior, um, how the family works together. Um, and how they tend to adapt to things. So, um, and every family system has to maintain a balance and, and this will make more, you know, help people to understand better as we look at the roles, but in order to function, the family has to be balanced in some way. So for example, if you have a family that doesn't like to express any emotions whatsoever, there is a good chance you're going to have a kid that is extremely emotional. Um, If you have members that don't like to talk, you will find a member that can be very chatty. So every family has to maintain a balance. Um, When people come from dysfunctional families, um, there are six main roles that get played out and um, I think as I was reading, I was trying to formulate my thoughts today. So I decided to do some research and it used to be back when I trained <laughs> in the early eighties, um, it was four main roles uh, and they really were introduced, I think in, you know, with addiction and family systems. Um, we, we, you know, family systems was very, very big in the eighties and understanding them and how they work together and so there used to be four or five main roles, but they've, as I, you know, looked at the roles today, they've broken a couple of them up into two. So, mm-hmm. um, and as, as we explore the family roles, um, I, I want you to understand dysfunctions in families can come from all kinds of things, mental illness, addiction, um, a trauma, a crisis, um, and as you listen to these roles and learn about these roles, um, it can be a mild dysfunction in a family where they function well in certain areas and struggle in others. It can be medium, moderate. It can be high levels of dysfunction. So when you read this and you are hearing about a role in your family that you might play I don't want you to go to the assumption that you are a severe case that, oh my God, I'm hearing this. So therefore my family does not function well at all. And you put yourself into crisis because again, with mental health, any of the issues we talk about, we're, you know, there's severity of characteristics, traits, symptoms, and it can be mild, moderate to high. Okay. So I just wanted to kind of prep everybody before they before they listen in. Um, so, you know, a healthy before we get in in depth to roles, like 
a healthy family system. And Matthew, you can jump in on this one. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got a parent or parents, and that can be in any formation. You know, it can be a gay family unit. It can be a heterosexual family unit. It can be step family, whatever it is. But the, the two parents who lead the system, um, they, they can meet everyone's basic needs. So the parents provide the food and shelter, the emotional support of the family members. Um, they communicate. Children can be children. Um, you get your educational needs met, um, your medical needs met. Did I miss anything, Matthew? Like your all the needs of the system are met and maintained mm-hmm. in a healthy, productive family system. So children are nurtured and emotionally taken care of. They're supported. Um, they can be kids. Uh, and, um, you know, they, you know, are told that their, you know, parents are proud of them. Parents, parents show up at, you know, most sporting events. Um, kids get to be kids. So, mm-hmm. uh, I think that's the parents are the caregivers and, um, the parents make most health decisions for that kid. There, you know, there's not a lone soldier, um, any kind of neglect or abuse happening in that system. Um, and I think that's important to know. Um, and that the family system has empathy. So when a member gets hurt or sick, um, the family has empathy. They have compassion. They nurture that member. And that can be any member. That can be a parent. That can be a child. That ability to empathize, worry, and have compassion is in that unit. So that, that's just, I just wanted to identify some of the important traits of a, health, a healthy family system. And then there's the dysfunctional family system. And that's the family system that tends to develop these roles that we're going we're gonna to cover. And there are six. Used to be four in my book, but now there's six I learned today because they broke some. And um, <laughs> the first role, um, should I like, let me just, let me call out the roles first. And then we're going to go over each role in mm-hmm. depth. And we're going to talk about dynamics in the roles that these people can play. But um, there's the golden child. Um, and we'll explain each one in a minute. There's the lost child. There's the peacemaker. I'm slow here. Hang on. There's the mascot, the clown, the comedian. It's all one. Um, There is the caretaker, the enabler. We're going to have a lot to say about that one because Matthew, you and I know that role. Um, The doer, the martyr. um, Those are the six roles. So, So anybody who's listening who's really interested in family roles and how they affect your family system, um, uh, those are the six main roles. So what we're going to start with tonight is the golden child. Um, This child doesn't feel they can make any mistakes. And at the heart of them, it's because if they make mistakes and they aren't somewhat perfect, 
um, that the family will fall apart. They're used to being in the spotlight. They're used to being the special child. Um, they, they're, they're, you know, that kid that can do no wrong in the family system and say there's an argument between siblings, they are the one that never gets in trouble. It's always, you know, the other siblings fault. Um, the golden child, you know, can be successful in school. Um, is it, do you think I'm missing anything, Matthew, on the golden child? No, I think that it just adds extra stress too. I think that's something that, you know, sometimes get it, it doesn't always make its way to, you know, the kind of in the therapy is that like the gold child does suffer stress. <laughs> yes. Yes. And th- th- you know, that's kind of the handicap I think of the golden child. They're so used to being in the spotlight. They're so used to performing that they, in all the roles, you know, you miss out on yourself. Like you don't get to be your authentic self because you don't get to live in your authentic self. And so the golden child is not allowed. They don't get recognized for their mistakes and they always have to be in the spotlight. So they don't get to integrate the importance of quiet time. They don't get to integrate the value that mistakes can bring you. Um, well, a major, another major thing too, just so that as you were pointing out with the dysfunction, a golden child actually it masks the dysfunction sometimes for the parents or caregivers or the guardians. So, like when you're when the golden child is successful and is accomplishing things, what often is forgotten are maybe the other children. And, you know, the other dysfunction, right, whatever that might be um, in the family unit. Um, so that's, you know, that that's an added layer of that stress that the, the, the quote unquote golden child doesn't always get to authentically live in their accomplishments. That's right. That's right. Well put. Exactly true. Um, they're masterful performers, you know, always mm-hmm. in the spotlight. And so I think, I think on this show, and we want to tell everybody on the next show, we're going to continue with the family roles. Um, but on this show, we'll probably get through maybe two or three of them. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now the golden child um, is it's opposite of in, in, in a few minutes, we're going to, we're going to talk about the troublemaker or the scapegoat. But they are the polar opposite of a kid that's always in trouble. Um, And all of the blame um, with the golden child, uh, it will never fall on the golden child. So when there's a problem, the parents cannot see the the struggles or that this child is a, a, a troublemaker because it's like the value of their parenting is placed on, look at how good this kid is. Mm -hmm. This kid is so great and awesome and so perfect. So therefore we are, we're doing everything right. We are great parents. Um, And that's why I think they feel pressure to always perform and to be perfect. Um, The, uh, 
it, it's it's tough um, because the opposite of the golden child, uh, of course, is <laughs> the scapegoat and the problem child. And the scapegoat and the problem child is the one that gets in trouble for everything. And the family system is on them for everything. And unfortunately, this child gets good at it. They, they get good at taking the focus. They get trained to take the, taking the focus off of anyone else who struggles. And they get good at being it. And we see this a lot in addiction, you know, where the addict I will say to them, you know, you're so good at being it that I have to help you to learn how to not be a problem, to not act out, to not do destructive things because other people in your family have problems. And as long as you keep acting out and struggling, they don't get seen. All that attention goes back onto that poor scapegoat, that poor problem kid. And if there's a problem in the room and that parent walks in, they're going to be blaming that kid. So they have, they have it rough. I mean, they're the ones that will show signs of mental health problems, conduct problems. They'll struggle in school. They'll struggle with jobs. Um, they can struggle with impulse control, fighting, um, uh, learning disabilities, learning struggles. Uh, um, they, you know, they're known as the black sheep. So they will, I think on a subconscious level and as they get older on a conscious level, they'll, they'll seek to be the one, one that gets in trouble over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's the kid that I think, because if you are in a dysfunctional family, again, the parents do not understand that all kids are going to go through struggles. Like that's just a part of life. Every kid should make mistakes. All family members should struggle. Um, and one should not be perfect and another struggle with everything. And so these kids will often feel like it doesn't matter what I say. I'm always the one at fault doesn't matter what I do, you know, I'm going to get the blame and they can feel really defeated and get defeated and, and make it a self-fulfilling prophecy to always be in trouble. And my, my grandfather, I think I've shared this before in the show. He had this old saying, you know, when you tell a kid they're stupid enough times, they'll start doing stupid things. And when I think about the black sheep, I think about that old saying, that, you know, you really go after a kid and blame them for every little thing, they will learn how to function that way. And it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Uh, is there is there anything you want to add to this, this scapegoat before I, I go further, Matthew? Um, just that some of the more major problems kind of, and just, I think you articulated it well, but just for like the, the parents too, and grandparents and kind of a, a you know, peripheral family to really keep a lookout for that and, you know, feel comfortable. I think part of what we're, you know, we're talking about this is, uh, you know, so that we're bringing awareness to being able to kind of confront these things 
so that, you know, it's not just one person, right? It's the unit and looking at the instincts of the unit. Um, and so you really get to say, hey, yeah, they might be doing that and they might be causing problems and acting out, but I'm not going to get distracted from what's happening over here. And I think that, you know, just kind of recognizing that the sum of all the pieces sometimes is greater than just like the larger problem that's being told to either a therapist or, you know, whether it's told to anybody else. And so just, they're not the major problem. That's right. And, you know, I think that's, that's the, you know, the key thing for everyone to hear is this child keeps everyone else from seeing their problems. And, you know, addictions and and alcoholism and, you know, family systems really was the origin of understanding this. And so this kid would be the one that would keep the focus off of the alcoholic parent. And they, they become always the focus of a problem so that no one else gets seen. And that's hard. That's hard on that kid. And then when that kid grows up, that's how they learn to function. They, 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 it, be almost, it becomes their identity. It's a false identity. It's not an authentic identity. But it becomes their identity. And it's sad because then they have to learn how to not be a problem. And that everybody has problems, not just you. So it's it's sad and it's hard um, and it's necessary for that role in dysfunctional family systems, as well as the balance of the golden child in that family system. So. Um, and making sure too, that I think one thing we, you know, we, in mental health, we talk a lot in the shows about symptoms mm-hmm. and the problem child that individual is not symptomatic of the entire problem. And so breaking it down from that system's perspective is you're going to look at each and every family member as part of the occurrence of what is going on in the family. So if you're going to identify somebody acting out in the family system, then you need to identify what other things are in the closet what other skeletons are in the closet of what is contributing to the kind of acting out of, you know, just maybe silent acting out, right. Unconscious acting out. So this is, I mean, this is a great place right here to, to stop. So, so what we're going to cover, and this is going to come on our next show. Um, we covered today the scapegoat and the golden child, like the two polar opposites here and um, what they do for the dysfunctional family system. Uh, and then in our next show, we're going to cover the next two um, and uh, go over this. So Matthew, I think this is a good point to tell everybody, please stay tuned. I mean, this is very information and we're going to, I think this is going to be a series um, because there's so many levels in understanding a family system, especially one, um, and how you were raised, uh, and and uh, it can help empower you to to change in the future. So, 
Stay with us for the next show, and uh, we wish you a good evening. Talk with you guys soon, everyone. See you soon.